Let us pray. In Jesus' name. God of heaven, our creator and our maker, the sovereign ruler of the entire universe, the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jehovah, God of our salvation. We thank you again for an opportunity to share your word and to be even partakers of the Holy Communion this day. We give you thanks and we praise you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Take over now. Let no man be seen or noticed, but Jesus glorified. That as we bask in his presence and share his word, he will visit us one by one according to his teachings and according to his glory and touch that we need at the moment. Blessed be your name, O God. We are here for you. Take over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I greet all of you and I thank the Lord uh, particularly for the chaplain and his team. They are bent on focusing us and committing us to make sure that we know the truth and that we go to heaven. That is why some of us struggle to come to the church, this one. Because some of us live, we pass many Anglican churches before coming here. And if you are here and you are not benefiting, go and do revival, go and check yourself. Because God is really blessing and speaking to us here. So if you are not benefiting, check yourself so that you start benefiting. God is in this place and uh, the leadership of this place has also opened the gates for everybody not only to partake but to hear the raw word of God as it's supposed to be. And we often also enjoy Holy Communion. Praise the Lord. The topic I have pressing on by dwelling in the secret place. And uh, it's taken from Psalm 91, but I'm not reading it because it's a common scripture that almost everybody has on the head. But the question is, what is the secret place? Now, the secret place of the Most High, of the Almighty, means living a life of prayer. Living a life of obedience. Following God's ways. And doing God's will. That is the secret place of the Most High. The secret place of the Almighty. No wonder... In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, the Bible said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. That is the secret place. And again in verse 6 he said, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. That is the secret place. That is where you will dwell, I will dwell. So that we make a success of life. He said also, be, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That is the secret place. Where, must pray, where we must press on to dwell. Also in John 14 verse 6. Which we all know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes unto the Father except by me. So Jesus himself is also the secret place of the Most High. 
following him means you are in the secret place. Again, the secret place of the Musa also means putting Christ, wearing Christ as cloth, putting Christ in everything you do. At any time, at any point, everywhere, every time, every place, at home, in office, where you are eating, where you are in public place, even in your dressing, the way you dress, your, your dress is a sign of putting on Christ. That is the secret place of the Most High. <laughs> you may be inside the room and thinking nobody is seeing you. <laughs> that room converted to a secret place where Christ must be put on. It means living in Him and moving in Him all the time. The Bible also says, in him we live and move and have our being. And so, what else can I say about the secret place of the Most High? Nothing but putting on Christ. It is a duty of all time, all places, everywhere, every moment. It's not postponed for some other time. Just like when I travel most of the time, they take me into my hotel room, the waiter will open it, and I will just be standing by the door waiting for him. When he finish everything he's doing, I told him, have you finished? He said, yes. He closed the door. Boa. I will from that door, I begin to say, Lord Jesus, I hand over this room to you. I take over this room in your name. I begin to make proclamation concerning that room when I finish them before I enter myself. Praise the Lord. That is putting on Christ everywhere, every time, every moment. It may look funny, but it's real and it's true and it's important. Those who dwell in the secret place are covered by the shadow of his wing. So God sees them. All the time, wherever they are, God will see them. Of course, the Bible said the eyes of the Lord run to and through to see everything, every place, everywhere. There is no secret for God. When you enter a room, you lock the room, you do certain things, you think God is just there. <laughs> he is in that room safe. And so there is nothing hidden from God. When Israel left Egypt on their way to the promised land, they moved under the shadow of God. In the day, under a pillar of cloud, and in the night, under a pillar of fire. But I want to tell us that this thing is still applicable today. But it's no longer in that form. If you look at the book of Jude, chapter 2, verse 28, the Bible said that the Holy Ghost has been given to all flesh. That Holy Ghost is the pillar of cloud for us, for every believer today. So it is everywhere, in the night, in the day, like that one. It has been replaced by Holy Ghost. So it's still applicable today. All believers have it. Every believer has Holy Ghost. So in the day, that Holy Ghost will cover you. In the night, that Holy Ghost will also show you the way. Also in James chapter 1 verse 22, the Bible says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. God wants us to be doing. And in fact, the, the, main, the main message I want to drop this morning is that let us start doing. Tell somebody, let us start doing. If somebody is sleeping by your side, wake him up. Tell him, let us start doing. We have had so much, especially in this chapel. If we begin to do, we will bring revival in this city. It is time to start doing. And I want to 
refer to last Sunday message by Reverend Dr. Chooks Ajare. He said, so much had been talked about being guided by Holy Ghost to do and to live for Christ. We have said so much about Holy Ghost guiding me, Holy Ghost leading me. Now, Holy Ghost, it is time for Holy Ghost to make you to do. The doing season is now. No longer just to know that Holy Ghost is guiding me. Guiding you to where? Guiding you to, 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 to sleep or to fight or to, or steal. No, there is something Holy Ghost is guiding us to do. Those things are what we are talking about now. And last Sunday also, we had a word of prophecy. In that word of prophecy, that young lady says, the word of prophecy came, he said, I have given you power. And that power is Holy Ghost. Which of course the preacher used also to say that power is available. The rest, of, he said, the rest, the rest is for you to do. I have given you the power. The rest is for you to do. What are you doing with the power I gave you? Many souls are perishing. That was, that was the prophecy last Sunday. That many souls are perishing. And you have the power. What are you doing with the power? He even said, open your mouth and speak and leave the rest for me. <laughs> it is time to do, to start doing. Time to open your mouth and speak to somebody about Christ. And let me tell you, the level of yieldedness of people is so high now. I know a little people, some people I talk to, they, 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 they want to hear more. So, the level of yieldedness is all over. So, it is now for you to open your mouth and speak. Don't feel that uh, if I tell this person, he may not listen to me. Say, lie. They are waiting. They are yearning for it. But nobody is talking. And so now, Holy Ghost is telling us to start doing. To start speaking. Two weeks ago, Dr. Ferdinand Weke said, the greatest obstacle to heaven is sexual immorality. The greatest obstacle is sexual immorality. Which is also disobedient to God's commandment. Which means we are not doing. <laughs> because God said, don't do it. And we ought not to do it. But we are doing it. This act pulls down officers from very high positions. It can, it can destroy, it can make a man to tumble from a very high position to become a street boy. It's a, it's a dangerous thing. I give some one example from the Bible, how they handled the morality in those days. And because Christ came, it's no longer treated that way. That's why people have the God even to be doing it. In Deuteronomy 22 verse 20 to 22, I just make it bridge because I have to cover. If a man discovers that his his token, his new damsel, that is his new wife, his new damsel has lost the token of her virginity. They shall bring her to the door of her father's house and stone her to death. This is the way the Old Testament understands immorality. Once you do it, they bring you out and stone you to death. Another one said, if a married woman is caught with a man in the act of immorality, 
They will bring them to the gate of the city. This one is not at the door of his father's house. If you like, you read that place. Um, Deuteronomy 22 verse 20 going down to 22-24. He said, they should bring them to the gate of the city and stone two of them to death. <laughs> that is their understanding of uh, he who sinned shall die. And that was how they were operating those days. But when Christ came, that is the New Testament, the other we are now. Christ came with grace. Christ came with pity. Christ came with forgiveness. And so, Christ, they brought now somebody they caught in the very act to Jesus Christ. I said, uh -huh. our law, you remember our law, they say anybody that is caught in this act should be stoned to death. And they are carrying stone. Jesus was writing on the ground and he said, if you have not done it, throw first. And all of them dropped their stone and went away. Which means all of them have been doing it too. Many of them have been doing it only that they were not caught. So they were killing those that were caught. Those that were not caught were going on their way. That was Christ stopped stoning. Praise God. Clap hands for Jesus now. Everybody would have been stoned though. And it was at the coming of Jesus Christ that stoning stopped. Grace came on. And uh, I, 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 I was just imagining if the stoning had continued today, we would have lost many of our girls. We would have lost many of them. The population would have been very small. But Jesus saved the situation. Praise God. And so, brethren, uh, <laughs> I attended a function, a um, Kingdom Advancement Conference on Tuesday this week in Throne of Grace here in Enugu. And there, a lot of all these Pentecostal bishops were there, many. They were lined up. And uh, they said one lady, one evangelist from Lagos came up to speak. You know what he said? She said, she was pointing at these bishops and that bishop. He said, here is the Bible that you must tell us the truth before you retire. That things that are happening in the church, in most churches, are they written in this Bible that you must tell us the truth that is, I'm just trying to let you know that the preachings have turned into doing now. No longer just hearing. And by the time she finished, he said, have you replicated your life, your kind, your archbishop, your bishop? Have you produced somebody who is also a bishop or archbishop that is, that is living the Bible? That is living the word of the Bible? Practicing the Bible. Have you told us all the truth? Have you practiced everything as it is? <laughs> By the time that woman finished, every place was silent. There was even one of them that was to preach after the woman. He refused to preach. Because the woman punched, gave a very big punch to the failures of Bishops, failures of ministers of God. She was so naked, I didn't want to go preaching what she preached. But I just gave it as an example. That God is moving people to download the issue of living the Bible, living the word of God and no longer hearing it alone. The secret place of God, therefore, is a place Jesus is in charge completely and the law of God is practiced. <laughs> Look at people like Samson. He lost his power. He lost his power because of the same kind of thing. 
Let me see. Let's look at uh, number 24. Number 24. I just read verse 1 to 2. I will abridge it so that I can be fast to finish. In number 24, it says, When Israel were on their way to the promised land, they were under the shadow of the Almighty. In the day, covered by a pillar of cloud, and in the night, by a pillar of fire. No wonder, no nation, no nation could confront Israel at that time. Rather, they were afraid. All the nations around were afraid of them. Because they were under the secret place of the Most High. They were moving, unchallenged. And so, when King Balak saw the rate at which Israel was coming, he was afraid. And he invited Prophet Balaam. He invited Prophet Balaam, Prophet Balaam to come and curse Israel. <laughs> and you know, when Prophet Balaam now came to curse Israel, a different thing began to happen. Something else happened. Prophet Balaam lifted up his voice and said that it pleased the Lord that he should bless and not curse Israel. Because Israel was under the secret place of the Most High. Once you are in it, nobody can curse you. No power can reach you. And he said that nobody can curse Israel and rather that they will be blessed. And so look at what he said. Prophet Balaam lifted up his voice and said, Israel shall pour water out of her own bucket. And that the offspring of Israel shall dwell by many waters. They shall coach like lion and shall eat up nations and defeat all their enemies. <laughs> the man that was brought him to curse Israel, look at what the man was hearing. That Israel will pour out water out of their own bucket. <laughs> when I even read this one, I said, oh, I've been pouring out water with my bucket here. Is it, uh, is it something wonderful? The Spirit began to tell me that many people do not even have buckets. Poor people don't have buckets. They go to neighbor to borrow buckets. But you as a child of God, you have buckets. You use your bucket, you pour water out of it. It's a blessing. That somebody will dwell by many waters, it means you, are, you won't be thirsty, you won't be lacking. And that is the blessing God. And you, you coach like a lion. In other words, you can lift up your shoulders, you can move. Nobody will harass you. That is what coaching like lion means. Even the enemy, your enemies, when they see you, they run. That is what it means. Praise the Lord. And how do you get it? Only by dwelling in the secret place of God's prayer. Hallelujah. And so, brethren, I want to declare this morning that as long as you remain in the secret place of the Most High, you will pour out water out of your own bucket. And you will coach like lion. And you will defeat all your enemies. In the name of Jesus. But look at what happened. In number 25. Verse 1 to 3. I wouldn't read. I just summarize it. Israel settled down. And remained in Shittim. <laughs> and when they settled down. They relaxed. You know they have been traveling under the. Under the secret place of the Most High. But now they decided to rest. They, they, they settled down and remained in Shittim. And they began to play harlots. With the children, daughters of Moab. 
something happened. As soon as they did that, the Bible said, and the anger of God was kindled against them. They have left the secret place. And so, all the power they have, they lost their power. They lost their protection. They lost their dignity. They lost their favor before God. It happened to, it happened to Samson at the lap of Delilah. It happened to all the people that never took God serious. It is happening nowadays also. I don't know how many of you watched the CNN of, for the past four days they were projecting the, the Catholic uh, uh, summit on sex abuse. A lot of priests have abused young girls and women and wives and even men by homosexual means and they are priests and this thing is happening in the houses of God. The report of Australia, Senegal, Sierra Leone, United Kingdom, America, that is the people are in thousands and they have raised up protest. And so they are handling it right now in Vatican. I think that meeting may be ending today with a solution to stopping morality inside the church. But one thing, the science is advancing more. <laughs> Let me tell you, a, a recent publication by a university in the United States, in, in Texas, Southern University in Texas. The, you know, both technology have come in so much now, and also forensic expertise has also come in in science. And so more information is available. In fact, there is no more secret on any information. For instance, they cannot do moet, that is multiple ovulation embryo transfer, IVF, in vitro fertilization, IVP, in vitro production, and then nuclear transfer, and cloning. There is nothing... Science cannot go to the level of DNA and change DNA. During fertilization, they will introduce another DNA before the fertilization clicks. So that an individual that is to be produced is another thing from what it should be. So, science has gone to that level. And there is this report. There is this report from... Um, American University that it is now possible to determine how many men slept with a one girl and also determine straight away whether a girl is a virgin or not. It's very simple now. They do it and the, the explanation from that right up is that if when a man sleeps with a, a woman, the man deposits his germ cell into that woman, into that lady. And these germ cells are living cells. They are cells. And the, and the lady collects it. So, it, it swims and enters the body. If she sleeps with two men, it means another germ cell has also come in. If it's three men, Another germ cell has come. Each of these germ cells is different. Because their genome is different. And so, if there is a, a, a forensic test to determine it, they just get the, get the woman and pick certain uh, cells from the body. They can determine and say, three men have slept with this one. Four men have slept with this one. This one, ten men. Has slept, they can, it can easily be determined. And, and also, from the record, the, the, they can also determine a virgin. 
that nothing has happened to this one. And that is the level we are. And that is the level we are operating. And I say perhaps this is why God said that a man and his wife are one. Because the woman has been collecting the germ cell of the husband. And eventually they become one. There is no more difference. They talk the same way. They behave the same way. They love this. They love themselves. They are so united. Spiritually, that may be why God said husband and wife are one. Now, if germ cell is mixed up in a family, say a man is marrying a woman, and that woman is not loyal to the man. She goes out to collect germ cell. That family cannot be affectionate. There will be trouble in that family. And if the man is also going out to distribute his jam cell to other places, the same thing happens. The unity of the family is hampered. And that is the report, science report. <laughs> when I share this story in my class, in year two class, I normally share this kind of thing towards um, uh, what did they call that uh, February 14th. Huh? Uh, Valentine, yeah. I gathered all of them and I shared this kind of thing. The, there was shiver all over the place and it achieved 100%. None of these girls went out with any boy. Praise the Lord. You know, and I wish even everybody should have this mind and just maintain himself not to go out with anybody except your husband because that's what God said now let us leave this aspect because we are talking about dwelling in the secret place of God I want us to look at the seven gates because everybody is dwelling in a gate there is a gate where you are dwelling and in that place you will stay for God you will live in the secret place for God in that gate. And there are seven gates of life. And I want to tell you what this gate means. The seven gates, they mean the governing system of the world. Seven gates also means the point or location from where the world is governed. That is what they call seven gates. They call it seven moors or seven mountains. But it's, a, it's the governing system where, from where the world is governed. Seven gates also means area, the activity area of the world. The activity areas of the world. That is what we call gates. And it also means that the, no, the, seven, the seven gates can also be called gates, it can be called mountains, it can be called systems, it can be called moors. But each of these gates is a place from where the world is governed. It's, it's, a, it's like a, de a department of governance of the world. That is what the gate is. One department. Each one is a department. But it has been shared into seven. And you are in one gate. Tell somebody you are in one gate. And what is the purpose of the gate? The purpose of the gate is to refocus the mind of the believers or Christians to the primary call of Jesus Christ which is making disciples of all nations through evangelism. That is the purpose of gate. So God allowed those gates to exist for the, to refocus so that wherever any gate you are, you know that you are there for evangelism. That is why God placed you. I cannot be here and be in Zamfara. There is somebody else in Zamfara. There is somebody else in Medugri. But these gates are there. 
Number two, the purpose of, of the gate is to reconcile men to God through the mystery of the cross by believing, accepting, and having faith in Christ Jesus in every gate. Now, what are these gates? If you like, write it to, but I know many of you already know it. So, because the teaching has been going on. But I, get, I made it in a simple way that you will always remember the gate. The seven gates are represented by A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So if you just write A, B, C, D to G, that is the seven gates. And so, gate A represents arts, entertainment and sports. There are some of you that are working in arts, that is these people that carve and draw things and so on, and entertainment, music, or sports. Many of you are sports addicts. So this is a gate. So you are in that gate, you are in gate A. Gate B represents business and finance. Any business you are doing, that is a gate. If you are a banker or you are working in the finance industry, that is a gate. Then you see represent church and religion. <laughs> we are in a gate here. God, this is a church. It's a serious gate. Then um, D represents distribution, media and communication. E represent education and training. Many of us are in education and training. I'm in that one. I'm also in church. So as we as we call this, try to know the one you are, because I will ask you to raise a hand so that we know whether is there anybody that is not in a gate. Um, F represents family and community. I'm even in a family. In fact, I discover I'm in three gates in these uh, seven gates. G, uh, G represents government and law. Those working in government, those in politics, those uh, in courts and the uh, lawyers, that is, that is a gate for them. So, you are in one or two or three gates. And the gates are to be, you are to be the gatekeeper for Christ in that gate. Are you getting the point? These gates, you, mu you must be a gatekeeper if you're a believer. You must be a gatekeeper for Christ. What are the gatekeepers? Who are the gatekeepers? The gatekeepers are believers, Christians, sons and daughters of God, citizens of kingdom of God, kingdom ambassadors, followers of Christ, and born again children of God. And we are all in these gates. What are their duties? The duty of the gatekeepers are to enforce the kingdom principles of God in the gate where they are. When they start doing battle in that gate, you react. To bring into performance, actualization, the order or commandment of God in that gate and to bring fulfillment of Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 Matthew 6 10 say your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven you are the one to bring it about how do you go about it in Psalm 2 verse 8 the Bible says ask of me and I will give you the hidden in your gate for an inheritance. And the uttermost part of, of, of the earth, that is nations, for your possession. You can become manager of your gate by causing them to do the will of God. The gate is where you have an opportunity to share, to have an influence to win souls. There's nothing you can offer the people, the unbelievers in the gate, that the world cannot offer them 
except salvation. The work is done by the Holy Spirit, not by power or by might. You may be a good teacher, a good student, a good doctor, a good nurse, a good artisan, a good prayer warrior, or a great man of God, but you have not yet led somebody to Christ through that thing you are doing. You are not occupying the gate for God. You are not occupying the gate. And that will, be, will not be your portion in Jesus' name. And so, to quickly begin to conclude, in Egypt, Joseph passed, passed on to, the world, to dwell in the secret place No, Joseph pressed on. He pressed on. He continued to dwell in the secret place. That's why when temptation of fornication came, he ran. You know, the Bible says flee. But some people will stand instead of fleeing. Anytime issue of uh, fornication confronts you, use your leg and run. Don't stay. Don't argue. The Bible didn't say resist or refuse. Bible said, take your leg and run. And that was what Joseph did, and God blessed him. In Babylon, Daniel pressed on to dwell in the secret place. He was praying three times a day. And the princes of Chaldean and Persia said, we cannot find any occasion against this man, Daniel, except we find it in the law of his God. So let us make a law. Nobody will pray for 30 days. Because they know Daniel prays every day. <laughs> and, and when Daniel knew that they have signed the law, Daniel, Daniel left them alone and went back to his altar and continued to pray three times a day. They bundled Daniel and threw him into the den of lion. Lion could not eat Daniel. Praise the Lord. Because Daniel was pressing on to dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. And so, that is exactly, they could not stop Daniel. They could not do what they wanted to do. The same temptation came to Shira, Meshach, and Abednego, and they refused to bow down to golden image built by, built by Nebuchadnezzar. And they were saved. They, they threw them into a fairy burning furnace. <laughs> they came out with their shirt intact. Praise the Lord. That is, I'm telling you this as an example so that even when you are confronted, keep on pressing in the secret place. Nothing, none of those fire will burn you. None of those lions will eat you. God has set us a standard. So we must continue to run in that direction. Praise the Lord. Now, David in Second Samuel chapter 12 verse 13 did something bad. So I'm, I'm now concluding it by telling you that you would have even done something bad. You would have even done something very bad. But you can still come out and start pressing. Look at the, uh, David. David slept with Uriah's wife and pregnanted her and took her and killed Uriah. But something happened. In that uh, second Samuel twelve thirteen, that uh, Nathan the prophet came and confronted David and condemned David for adultery and murder face to face. <laughs> Do you know what David did? David simply said. To Nathan, I have sinned. Full stop. If you want to kill me, kill me, I have sinned. He accepted it. He repented of it. And he promised that he will not do it again. Do you know that immediately the word of God came to Nathan to tell him that the sin of David has been forgiven? 
That is what God is wanting us to do. We are not interested whether you have two men have slept with you or not. We are not going to do that uh, that research, that bad technology. We are not interested in it. What we are interested in is what David did. David said, I have sinned. He accepted it. And he was ready even to die. <laughs> but God said, because of your forg- because of your heart, you will live. He forgave David. But then God is looking for men and women that can be like David. I'll give you a few other examples concerning David before I round up. In Second Samuel 13, because of you know. No, let me read uh, that uh, 14, verse 14 of Second Samuel 12. The Bible said something to David. He said, Nevertheless, because what you have done scorned God and brought blasphemy unto the Lord, the child that Uriah's wife born to you must die. You know, what David did is call God. It brought blasphemy over David as a servant of God. It brought blasphemy to God. So God still took some actions to punish David, even though he has forgiven him. And so, that child died. Not only that that child died, there are other repercussions that also came. But David went through all of them in repentance. Look at the second thing that came to David. Amnon, the son of David, raped Tamar, his sister. Although the sister from another mother, David is a, a polygamist. And, and because of that, you see, that fornication David did to Uriah's wife, had repeated in his house. His son raped his daughter. You see what this is the type of thing you do. Look at it happening in your house. That's the way it was. And Absalom, Absalom also went ahead and killed Amnon. The son of David killed son of David. Son of David raped daughter of David. Because of that thing he did to Uriah's family. It replicated, it repeated in his house. Then Absalom also revolted against David. And David ran away from his palace. Absalom wanted to take over the kingdom. And in the process of that, David ran and left ten of his, his concubines in the house. Do you know that uh, Absalom went and raped those ten concubines? To show, just to tell David that what he did to Uriah was not good, even though he had been forgiven. And eventually, Absalom himself also died. You can see the calamity that came upon that family because of adultery and murder. And that is what our people are neglecting these days. They are doing it. <laughs> they are doing it. Most of these diseases that are happening, <laughs> go and check. When a man sleeps with another man's wife, there are grievous, grievous repercussions. In most cases, hammers will come out from those families. Wayward guests will come out from such families. So, God is telling us to restrain. But David was a very, a man of always confessing. He confessed. If you wait for the death of Absalom, his son, he wept for all of them. He rep- David was full of repentance through all these things. And again, he was restored as king and he continued and he completed. Praise the Lord. In conclusion, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1, the Bible said, Therefore, since these great promises are ours, that is salvation. Since salvation is our own. Let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defies the body and spirit. And bring our consecration to completion 
in the fear of God. Let us do something. We must press on to dwell in the secret place. We must not only avoid immorality, let us also avoid quarreling. Let us avoid fighting. Let us avoid bitterness. Let us avoid unforgiveness. Let us avoid castigating one another. <laughs> Look at this one. Uh, it's not good. He's a sinner. Who told you he's a sinner? Why not talk with him? If he's anything sin, pray with him. Remove the sin. Let us stop those. There was a, a believer. This is a short testimony to conclude. A believer who had been fasting and praying for upliftment. For promotion. For upliftment. And God granted him. Because he had been coming to fellowship. He had been working with the believers. God granted him. You know, all your, most of our prayers, God grant them. Are you not sure? I'm sure. God grant most of our prayers. The only one he doesn't grant, which also means that he has granted, is when we pray selfishly. The man was made commissioner uh, for utility. And he went on top to supervise all the facilities in the state. And anywhere he went, any zone he went, they will receive commissioner for utility. And they will organize reception for him. And they will prepare a suit and load the fridges with assorted expensive wine. And they will put two fine girls there to sleep with the commissioner. And they will bring the commissioner after reception and they will take him to the hotel and say, this is where we prepare for you. It is your entitlement. It is your entitlement. We have been doing it since ages. And so the believer said, what are these girls doing here? They say it's for you. The man just told them, can you send these rats away from this place? And also because of their presence in this place, I'm not, even, I'm not sleeping again. Get someone and put in my car. He entered his car and returned back to his wife. Praise the Lord. I'm saying this because it is possible. But most of, most of us who are not believers, who are not present to dwell in the secret place of the Messiah, they will go in for their entitlement. And now, it came to pass again that the governor gave him money to buy 22 Helox buses for the ministry, to distribute to ministries. He bought them. And the Helox arrived. And governor told him, okay, give, keep two for me. Pack two for me. And pack one for yourself. And so the man now shot 19 the remaining 19, and discovered that there's one ministry that didn't get. So he carried his own and get that ministry. Leaving none for himself, but just the two for governor, he left it. And so after some time, governor told him, uh -uh, didn't you get uh, the, he told him my, uh, uh, his excellency that there wasn't enough, so I gave them my own. And again, the governor later asked him that he heard that you went to this uh, for inspection. You didn't want to stay. He said, no, the governor has heard the story. Do you know now, this governor now brought the man closer to himself. The governor promoted the man and made him commissioner for finance and also commissioner for utility. Praise the Lord. Look, even Satan wants honest people. These are courted people. They want honest people. So anywhere they see them, they go for them. They, they, and that is exactly, and that man become more promoted. 
He had all the paraphernalia and all the accessories which was enough for him. Instead of going to have this, I have this, I have more headache. The man was, the man enjoyed his tenure as a servant of the Lord. But let me give you one more so that I pray. Another believer who also was fasting and praying for upliftment, God again granted him. And he was made the CEO of a multinational company. And he began to walk, chauffeur driven, everything available. And the man became too busy. The man does not pray again. The man does not come to fellowship again. The man does not, if he comes to church, midway in the church, he will answer phone and walk out of the, and enter his car and some of his, has a meeting, very important meeting, CEO. And that was how he could, in fact, he left the secret place of the Most High. It's dangerous. Tell somebody, please don't leave the secret place of the Mosad. Tell another person, never you leave the secret place of the Mosad. And so this man left the secret place of the Mosad. Do you know what happened? One day he has a discomfort on his chest. Just discomfort. And he was worried. Do himself like this. And he went to a hospital. And they scanned him. And they told him just a small lump in the lungs. The man was worried. The man now, being busy, reduced. He now went to hospital. He can spend two hours in the hospital. And he now came back to fellowship and said, pray for me. He now come to church. He cannot stay in the church from morning to the end of the church. And he started trying to come back. <laughs> but it was late. So, my final appeal to us is to reconcile with God, reconnect with God, and stay in the secret place of the Most High. Don't wait until a lump comes before you start coming back. Just serve God as you are. Praise God as you are. It was when Israel began to play her lot that they were plagued. Diseases came. Brethren, let us stay connected. Let us stay together serving the Lord. Don't miss the opportunity that these great servants of God has given us in this place to hear the naked word of God. You can't get what you are getting here in most places. In many places, you can't get it. And so, I can't all of us lucky to be part of this great place. And I don't want you to collect it for yourself alone and go and, and go home and, and enjoy. Use it to affect others. Use it to affect life. And God will bless you. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, thank you for your word has gone forth. It will not return void. Until it has accomplished that for which you have sent it. And so our God and our Father, I call upon you now to reach out to souls that will give their life to you now. Reach out to such souls, those who have not done it before, those who have not yet deliberately given their life to Jesus Christ. Please, you have a great opportunity. It's only when you do this that you receive the Holy Ghost. And this Holy Ghost will begin to lead you in all your ways. I will help you to press on to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And so if you are here, you have not yet, or maybe you did it before, but it's long ago, it's no longer working, or you have done it before, and you are not too sure. You can give your life again now. When I gave my life to Christ 29 years ago, throughout that period, anywhere I went, they said, give your life, I give again. I was giving and giving until people started holding my hand. It is it, never overdose. 
So if you are no longer too sure, or if it's too long, you gave your own, you can revive it. Just raise your right hand, only your right hand. I'll pray for you. And the power of God will meet you. So these hands, just pray with me where you are. God is seeing you. His eyes run to and fro everywhere. You pray after me. My Father and my God, I have heard your word. I believe your word. I have taken a decision this day to give my life to Jesus. Jesus, I give my life to you. Be my Lord and my personal Savior. From today, I reject Satan and all his work. I am now a child of God. I declare in the name of Jesus. I now pray for you. Father, I thank you for those hands that were raised up and I commit them unto your mighty hands. I cancel their names in the book of death. I transfer their names into the book of life. I declare Jesus Christ Lord over their life and I pray that hell from heaven will come to them from this day in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, take over their life. Be with them and help them. In Jesus' name we pray. We are going to pray. Everybody will now stand up. We just pray a general prayer. A prayer of reconnection. A prayer of reunion. A prayer of coming back to Jesus. A prayer David prayed. David prayed that prayer. You know David. David was a, a child of God. And a prince of God. But he committed sin. He repented. And I cannot guarantee that all of us never told lie since, uh, since many months now. Or you have never gone angry. Or you have never fought. Or you have never said Raka. You know, Bible says if you say to your brother Raka, you are in danger of hell. These are the things I want all of us to repent. So don't make yourself a perfect somebody that has never sinned. I want you to pray concerning your own self. Yes, just pray about yourself. Tell God, forgive me. Everywhere I've heard, David accepted his fault and you forgive him. Father, I also present my fault. I've told lies. I have made mistakes. I have committed one sin or the other. I have told lies. I have I've stolen. I've, I've, I've told somebody something that is not true. And I, I told somebody I'm coming and I'm going. All these sins, no matter the tag, you know your own. Let us refresh ourselves afresh today. So that we can appear before this Holy Communion. Good. And our life will be revived in such a way. That we begin to dwell in the sacred place of the Most High. Jehovah Eshadah, our Father, help us! Help us! We have erred. We have sinned. We have spoken vile. We have told lies. We have eaten money that does not belong to us. We have stolen. We have falsified figures. We have influenced things unduly. We have gotten angry. We have done one thing or the other. Father, we may not remember all. We have misbehaved as youths and as children. We have acted wickedly. Forgive us. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive this congregation. Forgive all of us. Have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us. Cleanse us from every unrighteousness. Wash us afresh with the clean water and with the blood of Jesus Christ. And make us yours again. Forgive us. Put away our sins as you put away those sins of David. And he continue to serve you. That we may continue to serve you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Our God and our Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for 
granting us forgiveness. Thank you for preparing us for a new life. Thank you for releasing a new glory upon us. Be with us, O God. In Jesus' name we pray.